it was fun to genuinely hear the people associated with the team talk about the hospitality and those little extra things that you get when you come to Salem for a Division Three championship. And I say this especially from North Central, which has been to Division Three championships at four different places now over the course of four seasons and has had a completely different experience here. Yeah, Brad Spencer said he sensed even on Saturday when they uh, did the run-through of what to expect and what was going to happen here. Uh, that alone, they've only been here less than 24 hours, I believe, right now, and they're already sensing these people know how to do it right in terms of the Stag Bowl, and I hope they send that message to the NCAA ultimately here. You know, I consider myself a lot like North Central, where I've experienced uh, my most of my Stag Bowls in all of the various locations that the Stag Bowls have been in. And yes, Salem, uh, you know, smooth. I know where to go. The things that I need are there when I get there. And yeah, it's been a, a really good trip back to Salem. A reminder of how this event can be. We do. I still need to ask Luke Lanin about how much cage work he gets in during the football season. Well, if you want to know that, listen to the pregame show on Friday night. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. There have been 50 seasons of Division Three football. We've covered it for 25 years, and we've had a podcast since 2007. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, the only podcast directly from the folks at D3Football.com. We are here every week, all season. This week, three times, because we live and breathe this stuff. I'm Patrick Coleman, the executive editor of D3Football.com. I'm Greg Thomas. I write around the nation at D3Football.com. And we have a guest. I'm Greg Rossi, and I'll be sparkling around the sideline on Friday evening. So sparkly. We need to add you to this intro for special occasions like this. Feel free to recommend a movie clip about someone named Frank, and we'll just toss it in there. We'll get... Dave McHugh, his production assistance for the year, will be recording, and Frank Rossi. Old school Frank the Tank. That was my nickname in college. I just need to know the clip. Over the course of the next hour or so, we'll chat with all the people who were available at Media Day here on Wednesday in Salem. That includes from the Cortland side, head coach Kurt Fitzpatrick, Zach Boys starting quarterback, Cole Burgess' wide receiver. Also on the defensive side, Jack Whiney, a linebacker. And then on the North Central side, you can look forward to conversations with safety Julian Bell, of course, head coach Brad Spencer, Luke Lanin, the quarterback, Jeske Maples, his uh, starting left tackle, and D'Angelo Hardy, the wide receiver as well. But before we get too far into that, we should take a moment to thank the people who have sponsored this podcast throughout the entire season. And that is our friends over at D3Photography.com, d 3 Photography is, of course, the Bureau of Photographers who we've hired out over the course of the last decade or so to help us in our Division Three sports coverage. And here the Division Three football season is wrapping up. I think there may be four photographers blanketing the sidelines here at the Stag Bowl from D3 Photo, and there will be plenty of photos to see once that is all said and done. Yeah, the guys at D3Photography.com, they've been 
covering this entire Division Three football season and especially in the postseason. You've seen a lot of their work featured on the website, particularly from last week's semifinals. Stills of everything you might want to see from Randolph Macon, Cortland, and from Wartburg North Central, including maybe, maybe a missed holding call. We got pictures of that. <laughs> And if you are interested in looking back through past galleries, you can see many, many photos of Frank Rossi and watch the evolution of his sideline getup. Who are you wearing on Friday? I can't divulge all that. I mean, no. there will be a costume change at halftime, and those good guys at d3photography.com, as you said, will be catching that. I mean, they travel throughout the season. It's not cheap to do it, but they do it because they have a passion for Division Three, and they love to produce things for the families, the coaches, the players to relish out there photo-wise, and they do just such a tremendous job uh, capturing all those key moments, not just at the Stag Bowl, but throughout the season, but can't wait to see the crew here in Salem. And don't forget, we teased this a couple of weeks ago, but there will be a special coupon code that I'm going to be provided hopefully sometime between now and when we actually start recording podcast 350, but you can also use the existing coupon code D3FOOTBALL to get 10% off of prints of these high quality photos. Go to D3Photography.com And thanks to D3Photography.com for sponsoring the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. All right, so Wednesday here in Salem is Media Day. It is an opportunity for us to chat with people, things which will take place in the pregame show, which we will put out there on Friday, starting at maybe sometime before 5 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye out for more information on that. But uh, first off, I thought, guys, just in general, both teams come in really loose, really relaxed, ready to do this sort of thing. I would say that uh, Cortland uh, was our first uh, team that we saw today, and uh, they got a swag box uh, from the committee here, and some of them weren't going to open it right away, and then they were all excited hearing about what was in uh, those boxes, stuff that probably North Central has already encountered in uh, past years from other sites. I don't know that that's true. That doesn't come from the committee. That comes from the local organizing committee. Right, it, it understood, but you know, you would assume they did something for them at different sites, but just the newness of this uh, whole situation for Cortland you could sense that was happening uh, right in front of our eyes uh, today. And they were, I think the word loose is a good word in a good way, though. Like, they're relaxed, they're happy to be here, this is the last travel, and you could sense that feeling from them that no matter what happens on Friday night, this is it. Yeah, well-traveled indeed, Frank. Cortland's been on the road for... 3,848 miles in this postseason. <laughs> that is not my stat, by the way. It's 500 miles and 500 more and 500 more and 500 more, etc. Yeah, but Corlin, they've definitely been on the bus. They've been road warriors this postseason. And the student-athletes that we talked to today, we'll hear from some of them later on in this podcast, but did not feel like the moment or the week was too big for them. I think uh, that's a team that really cleared a hurdle after the second week of the postseason, and they've really been playing a little bit with house money going into new rounds that the program hasn't been to and uh, playing with nothing to lose, really. And I think that's that's a lot of the attitude that I got from those guys today. On the flip side, North Central acted like they have been in the at least the game before. Uh, they knew what was in front of them today with media day, kind of old hat for them at this point. Uh, relaxed in their own way, 
And so it was refreshing to a certain degree, not seeing like hyper nervousness or, you know, SIDs that are panicking about what's going on or coaches. They all just seem to be happy here. Yeah, because I think we've come in sometimes and we have seen teams come in and players be uptight and that sort of thing. And that was definitely not the case today. No, you don't get that at all from North Central. They take a lot of their cues from Brad Spencer, who we've talked to Brad Spencer on this podcast. We've heard from him in press conferences throughout the postseason. Um, not a more calm level guy pretty much in any situation. Uh, I think his team really adopts that. And, you know, total total pros, amateurs, but pros uh, <laughs> at Media Day for North Central today. I think on the other side, we talk about this. I talked about this with a, a couple of the players. The moment for them here on this stage, you know, the magnitude of the game and what they're playing for and what the trophy is at the end of it is a pretty big deal. But, you know, the size of the venue, for example, or whatever, is not any news to them compared to playing Cortica Jug at Yankee Stadium last year. No, and that's something that Kurt Fitzpatrick talked to me about earlier today, uh, not captured on our audio that we'll hear later. They play Cortica and they've played in the giant venues and this year at Ithaca. There's a reset that has to happen for them to go into the first round game because it's a first round playoff game. It has that intensity, but it is not the same animal as a Cortica Jug game. And so there's a there's a little bit of a, a reset that the team has to do, but certainly the venue in the moment for a team that plays in that kind of game, uh, not going to be an issue for Cortland at all. They were pretty well dinged up, I think, after that Cortica Jug game and didn't come out necessarily with the energy level that you would assume they would have. Uh, that's why you probably had those close calls in the first couple of games, not to mention they had some good opponents there. But still, they didn't respond the way you would have assumed necessarily, uh, or at least prognosticators like us do but they win the game still and then they turn that corner it seemed like in the second half of Alma to the Randolph-Macon game and you know voila so it's a very interesting analysis to watch how they performed since Cortica and Yankee Stadium big venue big day everything else national media coverage it's interesting that people that want to say they haven't been anywhere near something like this before aren't actually accurate about it but you know one year removed now we'll talk with zach boys coming up in just a little bit about that very topic we talked with kurt fitzpatrick he's the head coach of Cortland. you know this is a week where things are shorter things are compressed we talked to them before they still had a full practice and a walkthrough so i asked them is there stuff that they have left to install what does a short week like this look like yeah, we, we have stuff that we still need to work on, uh, mainly you know, just getting the guys out and getting back in our practice routines. Um, but this is, this is the biggest, biggest game of the year. It's the 15th game of the season. I believe in the, in the biggest stages, you've got to run the stuff that we've been running all year long that we're the best at. Um, so, yeah, we, we have some, some stuff still, still to work on. But for the most part, we just need to get out on the practice field the next couple of days and you know, knock the rust off and build the excitement for Friday. I buy into this idea that, hey, we're not going to really change what we're doing. It's the same stuff we've been running all year long here, you know, the 16th uh, weekend of the season, 15th week, whatever you want to look at it as. But obviously, you've got to throw in some wrinkles uh, in a situation like this as well. And so I, I don't know if a practice doesn't change a little bit when you get to a stag bowl situation against this vaunted North Central team. And here in week 
16 of the season. I don't know what new things you're going to install. I think, yeah, you got to look at North Central and the things that they present and then figure out some strategies and some game planning to how you're going to defense what North Central does. Best of luck. I think Cortland, as they've gone along, you mentioned Frank earlier, the first two rounds, very close games. You mentioned the attrition that happened in Ithaca. Kurt Fitzpatrick also mentioned to me they lost three offensive linemen yep. in the Cortica Jug game, and they played the first two games sort of down three offensive linemen, three and a half offensive linemen at some point. And it's been the last couple of weeks where they've gotten guys back, and you've sort of seen the full potential of what Cortland can do offensively when they're running at full strength. So for Cortland, I think – Keep doing what you've been doing the last two weeks or even the last six quarters uh, because that's about as well as we've seen anybody outside of North Central play football this season. I think if you're at this stage of the season, the kind of stuff, the wrinkles you're adding to your offensive playbook are what's a two-point play that we haven't shown on film before that we should uh, that we should run in case we need it? How do we take the existing stuff and tweak it? Last week in chatting with the North Central guys after the game in their post-game news conference, Luke Lanin was talking about drawing something up to go to Joey Lombardi for that big play in the fourth quarter. And I redirected. I said, is that literally the case? Literally drawing it up on the sidelines in the fourth quarter of a national semifinal game? Or is that something you've run? And he admitted at that point. We've definitely run it, but, you know, there's a variation on it. And we just talk about it and just going out and executing it. And I could definitely see that kind of stuff coming into play on Friday. Kurt Fitzpatrick is somebody that took me to task on uh, the other podcaster in the huddle, I guess I could say it. Yeah, you can totally say it. Promo your podcast, and I'm Thank sorry you. that we didn't do that at the top. It's okay. He took me to task because we uh, go tail the tape and talk about turnover margin comparisons, and he said, look, you can't use that stat very effectively because every game is essentially a new game. That Just because somebody turned it over the ball a couple times here or ball hawked it a couple times there, that's not a stat to go by. That They truly feel that past performance isn't always indicative of future results. Start that next game and you're kind of fresh in it. It's an interesting mentality. I, I don't fully agree with that. I think that you learn a little bit from that about how ball hawkish your team is or isn't from those types of numbers. But he definitely took me to task for a little while on using that, and uh, I was wrong. I think it was one of the two games I was wrong on uh, this uh, season in the playoffs, so I guess he had a right to take me to task. Turnover margin can be a little bit of fool's gold because it is so game-specific, but you know you can learn things. Like, do, Does your team not take the ball away? That's a thing you can learn from that. Right. Last week we saw North Central put the ball on the ground three times against Wartburg and didn't lose it one time, and they lose one or two of those fumbles, and we might be talking about a different game. So, uh, you know, turnovers are, are a thing where a lot of times you are really looking at the bounce of a football, which is unpredictable. Another place where turnover margin can be misleading is on Hail Marys at the end of a half. Throwing a pick at the end of the half 95% of the time isn't actually hurting you. A spike or a kneel down is not credited to the individual quarterback because it's an instance where they're obviously giving themselves up. So it's not charged against their passing stats or rushing stats. It's a team total. Maybe we should think about doing that for interceptions. That is a conversation for another time. Let's instead move forward and talk to Zach Boys, Cortland quarterback. Asked him about you know the team's motivation because of the way the 2022 season ended. They got an opportunity to 
avenge both of those losses this season, and they've gotten here to the Stag Bowl. The end of last season was very humbling. Uh, for everybody in our program. From the top down, we all kind of looked at ourselves in the mirrors and we had had those hard conversations of what we got to fix. Um, and just to see it all pay off and all the hard work that we've, uh, that we've done, that we've put in, um, to see it all pay off, is, it's, uh, it's very, uh, very cool, great to see. Um, you know, but we still got one more challenge ahead of us and it's going to be a tough one. Um, but we're ready for it and uh, I can't wait to get after it. This is the opposite of the North Central situation, right, where North Central won everything last year. And they won everything two seasons before that. It's not a matter of what you want to fix necessarily or what you want to do differently. For Cortland, they came into this season having to change some things. In some ways, I think the loss to Randolph-Macon last year made this run possible. That they had this taste in their mouth that that season ended in a way it should not have. It was premature, the ending for them. And they... You know, needed to achieve winning the conference, getting into the uh, playoffs to even get to this and some other things happening along the way. But obviously they got that rematch and they took full advantage of it, knowing that they had a team last year and then built on it for this year that was going to be a competitor through a playoff situation. They didn't have to face Mount Union. Ultimately, we thought that might have been what things would lead to. It was Alma instead, but still overall. They learned so much last year from the Randolph-Macon loss that I think it just parlayed into what they did in these playoffs. Yeah, earlier this season, uh, the end of 2022 is something Zach Boyce talked to me about uh, in the piece I did in September. Quarterback week, right? Quarterback week. All right. When you start 9-0 and and then go 0-2 and and all of a sudden you've lost to your rival and you've lost in the first round of the playoffs and you're done, yeah, that's a that's a difficult offseason to go through with those two things being the, your last two memories of the season. And that was, that was a huge motivator for them this year. We didn't know, obviously, that they were going to get a chance to play Randolph-Macon again this year. That just They made it happen. Yeah, They did make it happen. Uh, so they, they did get a chance to avenge both of those defeats from last season. Obviously, that, that is the thing that they wanted to correct and, and move on from. I also thought in talking with both of the team's quarterbacks on Wednesday, rather than us talk about the offense, let's have these guys talk about the offense. And here's how Zach Boys described some of the weapons that they have on offense at Cortland. We pride ourselves on being a, on a balanced group. We want to take what the defense gives you. Um, we don't want to be so honed in on one specific style. You know, we're, we're a multiple spread, as Coach Fitz says. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we're... Uh, the defense wants us to do, and we did a great job of that all year long. And I think that's something we struggled with the year before and having all of our guys back, right, all of yeah. our skilled guys. You know, we lost Day-Day and Connor Hill, who were huge parts of our offense last year, um, but still have Jade and JJ, Cole, Joe Idevideo <laughs> step up and come back when Rashad and CJ got hurt um, was huge for us. Andrew Tarpey has been unbelievable. He's been playing really, really well, um, blocking really well. And our offensive line, just all the moving pieces coming all together, they've played outstanding the last couple of weeks. Um, so we kind of just pride ourselves in just, you know, taking what the defense gives us and understanding that we are a dynamic offense. Um, and we can, do, we can do things fast, we can do things slow. Um, we take a bunch of pride in that, but it doesn't go without, without the hard work that we put in the spring. This is a long time coming, right? This is, we've had our struggles last year, we had our failures, um, but we knew we were talented. Um, so we just wanted to come back and, and prove how good we really were this year. Pronunciation 101. Buena Vista. Monon Bell. Buena Vista. Muhlenberg. Gallardi. Worcester. 
Gustavus Adolphus. Idevio. That's how you pronounce Idevio. I got to call a P101 buzzer here on Zach Boys. We had to get it uh, confirmed before airing of this podcast as well. I even messed that one up, so uh, that was not a slam dunk for anybody. My takeaway from uh, the last uh, statement by him, uh, this is indeed the son of a former college coach, Jerry Boyce. The the way he talks about and looks at football, the the insight that he got growing up with Jerry Boyce as his dad is clear. From top to bottom, every time I've talked to him, he's breaking down the game in a way that's coach-esque. And for those that don't think that growing up with a coach as your father uh, doesn't, uh, you know, put you in a position for uh, college football and succeeding in it, Zach Boyce is uh, exhibit A, pretty much. Jaden Alfano St. John is a guy that we cannot forget when we talk about this game. He shows up with monster games all the time for Cortland, rushed for nearly 200 yards against Alma. Uh, you cannot forget about his talent in the backfield. It's not just Zach Boyce throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, they are very balanced and very complimentary. Also talked with Zach about the early playoff games. We touched on it a little bit earlier where Cortland had a harder time getting past Endicott and Grove City before moving into the quarterfinals and the semis. We didn't play our best versus Endicott, and that's for sure. Um, I turned the ball over a couple too many times. I tried to do a little bit too much in that game. You know the weather wasn't great? The weather wasn't great, um, and they also had a, they came in playing a, a different style of defense than we were used to. Okay. Um, so the first drive we went down there and, and had success, and then after that they adjusted. And they made some adjustments. So when we got into halftime, um, we just kind of figured out what we had to do. And truly, to be honest, in the Endicott game, we just didn't score. Um, We were in the red zone. We had the ball for the whole game. Mm -hmm. And we just couldn't find a way to get in the end zone. That's a credit to them. Um, They played a a bend-don't-break style. And when you got down in the red zone, they they played well. So uh, huge credit to them. And then Grove City, it was kind of the opposite of the Endicott game. We didn't have the ball much. Um, They have an awesome running running attack. And uh, I think also in in the Grove City game, we got a little bit complacent. Uh, we went up 14 nothing, and then, um, you know, we just kind of we just took our foot off the gas a little bit, and you can't do that in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but those games were huge for us because it kind of allowed us to humble ourselves, realize where we were and the opportunity we had, and then going into Elma, a team that just beat Mount Union, who was a very talented team, we were very right. fired up to prove, um, you know, prove people what we really were. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we just got the opportunity to play well, and, um, you know, we've just been kind of improving each week and building from past experiences. At some point, guys, I need to sit down with a defensive coordinator and have someone tell me exactly what a bend-don't-break defense looks like. I don't doubt that it's true, and it's certainly affected out that way, but that's just my first reaction is I really want to understand what that looks like. Pat, I think that, medically speaking, that is a high-sprain defense. So he wants to talk about the Endicott bend-don't-break defense, but honestly, I could say the same thing about Cortland's defense throughout this season or postseason. I've watched this enough times to see that they're the type of team here, and what it means to me is give up yards, not give up points, and that's the whole thing. Yeah, North Central's offense breaks a lot of defenses. Uh, It's kind of their thing. But you're not going to stop North Central all game long. Can you get a turnover? Can you give yourself a short field? Can you steal a possession here and there? Yeah. Wartburg did that throughout the second half of their game last week, and they had a chance to win. Cortland's defense is going to be in the same position. Can you, can you prevent scores on a handful of possessions and give your offense enough room to win? Wartburg did it on five consecutive possessions in the second half, and that is, of course, how you hold a team 
down to 34 points in this case if you're talking about the prolific North Central offense. Good stuff from Zach Boys. We talked with one of his top wide receivers. It's Cole Burgess. He showed up wearing his 2022 Empire 8 championship ring, which is a big, beautiful ring. I just had to ask him about it. I haven't worn it since I got it, but I brought it to the trip because I wanted to uh, imagine what it's going to be like having a national championship ring on. So I'm not looking at it as a conference championship. I'm looking at it envisioning a national championship ring on my hand. Yeah, you're doing the visualization thing, exactly. right? Big, that big work? visualizer. Oh, big time. That big works time. for you? Yeah. When do you? When have you used that other times? Tell me about that. Um, I actually got into a big time the year when I was suspended and not playing during that COVID time. Yeah. Actually, recently I was going back on my journal. I call it like my manifestation journal, like my dream journal. Okay. And uh, the date was March 5th, 2021, like in the mi- middle of my suspension. And then it, all I wrote under that date was Cortland State Football National Champions question mark. So I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while now. So it was cool to see, see it coming to, coming to life. I mean, he is dedicated to envisioning the success or the goal or whatever and actually pondering how to get there. And it's obviously worked because he's had some highs and lows in his career that have been well chronicled. Uh, Back to the high right now, it sounds like, or it seems like just from watching him. And he's somebody just comes across as he's learned and he's got the vision ability now to keep it going in that direction. Yeah, I also asked Cole Burgess about his ring because how can you not? Uh, That thing was incredible and he... Explain to me it's a Empire 8 championship ring that he brought with him because he's trading that in for a national championship ring this week and meant every word of it. Uh, he is a supremely confident individual, and why wouldn't he? He has been at his absolute best in Cortland's biggest games this season. We chatted with Jack Whiney, linebacker, who's new to the program this year for Cortland, and we talked about you gave out a number Greg, of how many miles it was. Of course, Jack Whiney has been on the bus for all of those. It's been a number of weeks on the road, and Jack talked about what it's been like spending so much time traveling. It's a fun experience, you know. You got to you got to take what you um, what you got, and um, I think um, I think it kind of brings us a little a little closer together doing these road trips, being on the bus for these long hours together. Uh, we have a lot of fun out there, and we make sure that we um, are all prepared, you know. How long is the trip down here? I think it was uh, eight hours, okay. I believe. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but I believe it was around eight hours. It was a long bus ride. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is a, that's a lot of I-81. Yeah, straight, it was a straight <laughs> shot. So That's that is crazy. You picked that up basically, uh, shoot, where does 81 goes into New York? So it's not quite around Syracuse and then all the way down to, yeah. you know, just outside the door here yeah, practically. So, I mean, I, I think it was an easy, easy drive, but, but long. Just knowing how leg-weary I feel after those two trips, and granted, I'm the one driving, not the bus driver here, but it still takes a lot out of you to travel, no doubt. Uh, you know, They had the choice to go by airplane, but they adopted the if it ain't broke, don't fix it uh, mentality with this whole thing. Plus, they know it, it's a little tough sometimes to get to Roanoke Airport, and so why not just take it into your own hands, take the bus down here. They were here on Tuesday night and uh, ready to go for all the uh, pomp and circumstance on Wednesday. Yeah, they've really embraced the bus trip thing. And, you know, if you if it's not broken, you like that routine for your players, why not keep doing it? And it has worked for them on the road to Endicott, on the road to Alma, and then two weeks in a row now down to Virginia for the semifinals and now the championship game. Cortland has certainly had plenty of time to 
engage in that and and really build that bond as they've gone on this five-week trip. We'll chat with the folks from North Central coming up in just a moment on this podcast, but I wanted to take some time here to really thank another group of people who have supported the website, supported the podcast over the course of the past few years, and those are the people who support us using the Patreon platform. Patreon is a website, it's a service that uh, content creators such as us or artists or authors can use to garner a small or a large amount of financial support from people on a monthly basis. People support us in the range of anywhere from $3 up to $50 a month, and it helps us by giving us an opportunity to have a constant revenue stream for budgeting purposes, whereas, you know, right now, we are at the end of Q4, we're at the end of the football season, and the ad revenue is not constant over the course of the year. You might understand ad revenue to be really high in the fourth quarter of the year because of holiday shopping. And then it's not the same the rest of the year. This really helps us to have a base of support that we can rely on over the course of the entire year. And it has allowed us to do new things on the website over the course of the past couple of years as well. Yeah, Pat, our Patreon subscribers help fuel all of the D3Sports.com family of sites, but during football season, we see that support manifested in the regular cycle of coverage that our readers get throughout each and every week. Our features columns, you've seen a lot of Stag Bowl stuff this week. You've seen a lot of Road to Salem stuff over the last month around the nation, of course. Our on-site coverage on Saturdays, plus all of the stuff that we're doing this week on-site here at Salem. All of that stuff made possible uh, thanks to our Patreon supporters. Scoreboard as well. Can't forget the scoreboard. It's definitely been helpful to have that kind of support because then I can go out and hire somebody to help us update the scoreboard on a Saturday. And one thing uh, we're always asked by uh, people listening in the huddle, for instance, hey, I, I love what you do. What, how can I give back to you? We always say, listen, don't give back to us. We don't run a website, so we don't have those costs and everything else. Please go to d3football.com and become a Patreon subscriber or even give some side donation if you don't want to subscribe to Patreon, which is possible as well. But, uh, you know, again, if you enjoy what we do on either one of these podcasts, just give to the Patreon uh, model here or donate to d3football.com. It's going to go furthest by doing that because think of a Saturday of d3football without d3football.com. Won't, wouldn't be able to envision it because it's been there for so long. Don't lose what you've got in front of you here, folks. I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that, first off. And yes, you also make it sound like a public television uh, service model, and I like that, too. Frank is correct. Uh, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash d3sports to sign up and support us with a small or medium or whatever amount of money every month or if a one-time gift is more your kind of thing you can go to d3sports.com help talking about north central right this is a team that's been to the stag bowl now for four consecutive years they have a bunch of guys who are in the stag for the last time they're playing for the last time going through their last practices and it's been very interesting just to observe that and have conversations with them about this because, you know, these are still relatively young people, right? 22, 23 year old student athletes who are going through some things for the last time. They are. I remember seeing a number of these players for the first time in 2019, uh, some of them for the first time in 2021. But it's interesting to have been following North Central through their 
stag bowl journey you know we saw them for the first time in 2019 the same experience that we're seeing Cortland get this week and now here we are four years later and in this spot for each of the last four tournaments and the way they approach it has evolved a little bit we chatted with Julian Bell about this very question it actually hasn't hit me at all yesterday you know was my last practice ever um, at Benedetti Worley Stadium so you know, that was kind of surreal. I kind of was trying to soak it up as much as I could. But, you know, with our schedule being so, you know, jam-packed, we had to get on the road um, and, and fly out here to Salem, Virginia. But um, I'm just so proud and blessed of everyone that's, you know, a part of this organization for not only, you know, making this happen, but, you know, allowing these fifth-year guys an opportunity to end on the right note. So. It's It's been a little bittersweet, but, you know, we got one more test to it. I think back uh, to the first time we did player versus player uh, interviews uh, a couple of years back, and Luke Lanin just kind of like a deer in headlights uh, moments there with Dakota Kremens, uh, you know, answering questions about long division, which he still regrets that answer to this day. All right. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, other things about looking like a small, tiny guy uh, in the Mount Union game that was aired on ESPN uh, Plus back when. And to see the evolution of all these guys is kind of heartwarming, uh, the, the, you know, the maturation, the evolution of the them just becoming much more men out on the field. Uh, that you know they've put on some muscle, that they've put on their skill uh, and grown that over time. Maybe grown some facial hair. Yeah, uh, once or twice I, I picked that up too. But the whole thing is that, that we have watched some of these guys go from kind of a youthful exuberance out there to much more of a serious, but enjoying it type of approach uh, with this whole thing as they've changed uh, and gotten toward graduation or past graduation in some cases. It's as if they've gone from boys to men. Well, you know, Pat, it is the it is the end of the road for a lot of these North Central players, and Julian Bell certainly uh, had some thoughts about that. And uh, as I talked to him today, as he did with you, just a little, you know, soaking it in for the, the last time and how a little bit how his experience this year is a little bit different or he's trying to be a little more mindful of all of the all of the things that are going on around the game. That'll be a common theme throughout this. I didn't have Keith around to ask a smart defensive back question, so I asked Julian a more general question about playing the position, and I'm going to say I got a much better answer than my question deserved. Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. I'm going to be the first one to say it. I believe DB is the hardest position on the field. Um, you know, you're you're kind of moving backwards if someone's running full speed um, at you. But, you know, uh, I feel like any good DB um, kind of plays with their eyes. And, you know, like you said, everything's in front of you. So, you know, seeing everything but also not seeing everything at the same time. Um, so kind of being distinctive of, of what you want to see, what you, you know, what's choose to see. What's important to pay What's important to, to pay attention yeah. to. Um, and then just going out there and playing with elite eye discipline, I feel like that's what makes a great safety or a great DB is elite technique and then great eye discipline. And then once, you know, you've done those two things, okay, now let's go play football, let's go react on the ball. One thought I've always had as I got used to being a commentator of football is why are defensive backs short compared to wide receivers and how does that work? And 
it, that's just the general thing you see out there. You see some tall DBs, don't get me wrong, but generally you'll see mismatches, and then you watch the guys out there and you realize DB is a skill position more so than you would ever realize out there because the wide receiver has the knowledge of where that play is going, where the route is going, and the DB is always having to ca- play catch-up in that situation or at least jam properly within the rules to stop them from being able to get that route uh, fully run. And he's absolutely right that it is probably the hardest position on the field because it's the highest stakes position out there for the defense. It's the last stopping point uh, where a touchdown would be the next step, basically, for an offense. So I absolutely agree with him there. Literally the last line of defense. I think great points by Julian Bell about playing this position while running backwards, while really fast guys are running forwards at you, and you have to try and shadow their move while backpedaling. I can't imagine it's, I mean, I envy that the same way I envy like ice hockey players. I couldn't stand up on skates on an ice rink, let alone do the things that ice hockey players do. DBs a little bit on skates sometimes. It's like Ginger Rogers does everything that Fred Astaire does on the dance floor, but does it backwards and in heels. Okay, this this without the heels. Talked with Brad Spencer as well, of course. So North Central comes into this game a little banged up. Anton Walker, starting cornerback, missed the semifinal win against Wartburg. Martin Egbo, just the conference defensive player of the year, he had to leave the game early on a Saturday for the second week in a row. And here's what uh, he had to say about that. Uh, and, and every year is different. The puzzle piece is always going to be different. I told the guys that at the beginning of the year, we don't, we're not last year's team. I don't want to be last year's team. I want to be this year's team. Mm-hmm. I just want the same result. Uh, so how, it, how it's going to look is going to be different. Uh, and, yeah, we definitely got hit with uh, the injury bug in the second half last week. Fortunately, most of those guys have been practicing and dressed for practice this, this week, so we, we should be in, in good shape. Um, and, and if not... Uh, the guys behind them, it's their opportunity to, uh, you know, play to the standard and step up in a, in a great moment that's really exciting and, and, and make some plays. Um, you know, we want them to play fast and loose and confident. And, uh, you know, fortunately, like I said, it's, you know, in our season, we've had uh, the, I don't know if it's luxury, but we, we've been, you know, blessed to be able to play some of our second and third string guys throughout the regular season so that they're not totally green. I mean, they've played a lot of football. Um, you know, our starters were averaging about 35, 37 snaps a game in the regular season. So you've got about half the game left that we had backups that were able to, to get experience. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if they're not, you know, the same player as a starter, uh, at least they have the experience and uh, they'll be prepared. They'll know what we're supposed to be doing scheme-wise and they'll know the scouting report. Uh, I have full confidence in them. Now, there's no question that North Central defense is missing some key players. Antoine Walker is an All-American cornerback who has not been able to go really since early in the Trinity game in round two. And their CCIW Defensive Player of the Year, Martin Egbo, left uh, two weeks ago. And hasn't. he went for a little bit last week against Warburg. Clearly did not look uh, 100% in that game before he ended up exiting. So, yeah. uh, you know, North Central piecing it together a little bit on defense at the same time Cortland getting healthier on offense makes I think for a really interesting matchup to coach Spencer's point honestly what he says about the guys behind for the depth purpose 
uh, that you know your your guys are only playing X number of plays because uh, the game's in hand, and so you're getting your twos and your threes in there. But that that's exactly why you do that. You don't do that to show mercy to the other team. You do it to get your guys the experience out there ultimately for the moments like these, especially in a 58-man roster where you may not have full depth that you're used to out there with 100-plus players on your sideline, but you can have the key second and third string guys ready to play in different positions. And we might hit on this a little bit later, but I think uh, it helps when you need to go really deep into your defensive depth chart and grab some All-American offensive linemen. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that over the course of the next couple of days as well. Uh, we've also talked about a lot of the big name guys on the North Central offense, and we've talked about those guys with Luke Lanen. So I wanted to get him talking instead about some of the other guys on the offense. And we start with him chatting about freshman running back Charles Coleman. And as I always say, no relation. He's progressed a ton. Um, coming in in the fall, learning a whole new playbook is definitely hard. And being able to make an immediate impact on our team is something that doesn't happen uh, too often. Uh, being able to come in as a freshman and get meaningful minutes and get, for us, he likes pick up first downs and short yard situations. He also has the explosive ability. With a little shovel pass, he can take it 60 plus yards. Yeah. Um, but for us, I think he'll be involved in the game plan a lot. Just like I said, short yard situations, uh, blocking, also that those uh, little short passes, stuff like that. Just a way to get him the ball in his hands. How about guys like tight ends or you know third receivers in a three-receiver set? Who are some of those guys we should know about? Um, Bobby Bamer and Isaac Banker are two tight ends. Right. I think they've really stepped up this year, and I'm super proud of them. After Matt Robinson got hurt in the first game of the year, we were all like, crap, yeah. now what are we going to do? But mm -hmm. I think Bobby and Isaac have really stepped up. Bobby earning a first-team all-conference in his first year as a starter was something I'm very proud of him for. Uh, yeah, they've just done a great job of stepping up into that role, uh, doing what they do. Uh, Bobby's Mr. Explosive. He gets the ball in his hands. <laughs> a lot of times it's like 20-plus yeah. yards. Okay. So, uh, but, no, he's him and uh, Isaac have been doing a really great job. And then <clears throat> some receivers that don't really get um, much attention or credit, Jacob Parody and uh, Jack Rummel. Okay, um, yeah. Jacob Parody, he's one of the best athletes on the field. He doesn't get the ball a ton, but when he does, it's always a exciting play. And, when the ball is in his hands, he's one of the best blockers on the team, if not the best. He plays with his heart beating out of his chest. Um, and then same with Jack Rummel. Jack Rummel is a guy who's fast, he's explosive. Him and Jacob both have like really good hops. So, yeah, okay. But, um, but yeah, they're both really great uh, receivers. And even though they don't get the ball a lot, they're still extremely valuable to our team. Yeah, Charles Coleman is a, is a freshman, so if you're wondering when – you're ever going to get relief from this North Central offense? The answer appears to be never. But Charles Coleman, every time I look up and see him in a game, he's he's scoring touchdowns, it seems right. like. And against Wartburg, Charles Coleman had the important punt block early in the game that in a one-score game uh, is one of the key plays of the game. So Charles Coleman contributing anywhere he can offensively and special teams. But – I, I got to say that a quarterback should be talking about the offensive line in a question like this, especially because 
without that offensive line, the way they've played the season, none of this happens, I don't believe. And uh, that might be a good segue. It might be. I'm just going to say, in fairness, I asked him specifically about Coleman, and then I asked him specifically about tight ends and, you know, uh, number three receivers in a three receiver set. So Fair that's enough. fine. <laughs> uh, so, right, yeah, up front of Lehman, right, that's a really tough offensive line to stop. It's a veteran group. Here is left tackle Jeske Maples and what he had to say about playing O-line at North Central. I've been playing with the same guys on the O-line for the past three years for the most part. I think four of us have been starting for the past three years. Uh, so that's so cool to be able to build that Thornton relation. and Pryor. And, and Fortier. Yeah, yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. so uh, those guys, it's so cool watching everyone develop. We go back, uh, we played lacrosse in the quarterfinals, and we were watching our film from then, uh, from my freshman year in 2021. Okay, and that was—it's just crazy to see how we've all developed and uh, how we've grown as football players, and just seeing, you know, building those relationships, seeing how we've grown as people together. Uh, I think that's really the coolest thing about playing offensive line here. One of the uh, one of the things I hear guys talk about when they look at older film of themselves playing is just cringing, looking at oh, all the things. Absolutely. Yeah. I was—I look at my stance. I'm like, I have no clue. I was ever able to get off the ball. It's just crazy. I—I I, I could never do it now. Uh, I think everyone was thinking about it, like, man, we just look stiff. Hmm. And we're, you know, we're all young, we're all a little bit nervous, so uh, it's cool to be able to grow into that and feel a little more comfortable in, uh, in what we do. We have a great offensive line coach, and uh, Coach Schudeman puts us in right. uh, excellent, you know, situations in practice and makes it a lot harder in practice and games, and uh, that's something you can always fall back on, knowing that we've been, you know, we've been put through the challenge in practice. It's going to be harder than it is in games. Uh, and that's, you know, it's just always great to fall back on. So we've written about the star treatment that offensive linemen get at North Central. We wrote about it a few years ago to hear from him about that specifically right now and then also hear a little bit more about offensive line play. We don't often get a chance to talk to an offensive lineman at Media Day. We specifically requested him, and it was good to hear some of these things. It really was. In my opinion... I think where North Central has really differentiated themselves from the rest of the division is is with the offensive line. And you look at the guys that are listed as starting for this week, uh, Jeske Maples, listed as a junior in the two deep, Nick Fairley Jr., Jared Thornton Sr., Sam Pryor Jr., Zach Fortier Sr. They're going to have three of those guys coming back at least three of those guys have been starting since they were freshmen. Really experienced group that have been playing together for a long time, and that shows up on Saturdays. One of Keith's uh, game balls uh, was very appropriate, I thought, though, in the Cortland-Randolph-Macon game on Saturday, and that was to the defensive line of Cortland. And they were able to have their way against the offensive line against Randolph-Macon. Now you go to a North Central offensive line versus that defensive line, and that's going to be a much, much tougher hill to climb for that defensive line of Coraline. And so I think that is honestly where this game is a lot different than what we saw last week for at least Cortland's uh, situation and how you know things played out against Randolph-Macon. They, they deserve that game ball. Here, I just don't know if they can do this in that same manner. You have such a huge size disadvantage, I think, up front there that this is going to be unique for Cortland. We'll see how they deal with it on Friday. Going back to the thought of last moments, it's also the last moment for D'Angelo Hardy, senior wide receiver. And I just wanted to ask him about when 
if ever, a player gets an opportunity to just take it all in. Right before uh, the national anthem, okay. we're all holding hands in the back of the right. land zone. That's mm-hmm. when I really control my breathing, think about what's going on, and calm myself down for the moment. So right there, then when it really sits in, like, yeah, we're, we're here. That's interesting because what you describe is also, you know, calming yourself and kind of trying to take yourself out of the moment a little mm-hmm. bit, right? You are kind of then closing off the environment around you to then laser focus on the game. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just focus on my breathing, focus on what I can control, try to really anchor myself to what I'm doing at that moment, not worrying about what's going to happen or what's, go- what's happened in the past, kind of really just focusing on that moment. So breathing really helps me do that. Your categories have become tiresome. You've got mail. All right, you know how this works. We throw out the notification on X when we're getting ready to go into the podcast studio. The podcast studio here today is Hotel Roanoke Room. I'm not going to say the room number because I'm still living in this room for the next couple of days, but uh, that's where we are today. And this question comes from, wait a minute. This comes from at Frank Rossi. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Boy, even more surprising than that. It says, how can the AFCA leave Caleb Harmel off their All-American team? Is that a thing that really happened? I see six linebackers not named Caleb. We'll put it that way. I don't always look super hard at the AFCA All-American team. Theirs comes out on Monday. Ours comes out on Friday. I do kind of glance at it, I think especially in terms of like offensive linemen, make sure I'm not missing something that's uh, super obvious. I feel like we have a really good handle on how we do our process. Caleb Harmel, our Region 3 Defensive Player of the Year, the top defensive player in that region for Trinity, Texas, a very prominent team this year, and he's not one of the top six linebackers? Tough crowd. Frank Rossi asked how can they leave him off, and I think my only answer is clerical error. (laughs) clerical error is as good a possibility as anything else. I got an email from a coach this week, a coach of a kicker who is not in the AFCA All-America team. And without revealing this person's name, saying, I hope you guys dig a little deeper into stats than the AFCA does. I know I'm biased as his coach, but name redacted, in my opinion, should have been an All-American kicker this season. The others are great players, do too, but no one did what this guy did this year. I, I Actually, I think that's what goes wrong with the AFCA. They look at pure stats, period, and end up picking players based on numbers instead of looking at the actual strength of schedule that goes along with it or looks at the individual performances or how in certain cases with defensive backs for instance certain teams won't throw in their direction and we that's where we actually have over the years and I'm speaking for Pat kind of here but where D3 football has gone uh, into the deeper dive to go beyond the stats and actually talk to coaches and say who don't you throw toward in this situation or for offensive linemen who do you respect the most out there uh, or who's been most brutal against your team along the way? Just looking at pure stats doesn't answer the question of who the best players are in this country, I think. I think you can get sucked in on stats, right? Um, you can get sucked in on the stat of just average punting distance, for example, right? I have an email that came into my box literally while we're doing this saying, kind of interesting that Pomona Pitzer punter Cameron Sharangi 
is first team AFCA All American, while the best he can do from D3 voters is third team region six punter. I mean, tell be honest with you, one of the reasons is he averaged 47.1 yards per punt. That is a lot, but he had 10 of his punts land inside the 20. He had six touchbacks. That is more than twice the number of anybody else who was nominated for Region 6 punter. That's a bad ratio, right? You are aiming for inside the 20, or and you're missing more often than most. Uh, same with, I, I hate running down kids because that's not really what this is about. We just want to make sure we uh, recognize the right ones. But similarly, the punter at Millsaps, highly decorated by the AFCA because of his raw punting totals, but his net is really low because they give up a lot of big returns from the numbers. He's out kicking his coverage. And I think this is where I'm going to make the same kind of plug that we have to say when we, when we get suggestions about who should be ranked in the top 25. There's only so many, there's only so many people who can be all American punters or all American place kickers. It's 240 teams and four kickers can be all American. And so there's going to be a lot of really good right. players that don't make that list. A lot of really good quarterbacks, for example. For well, Yes, for example, quarterbacks. So, Pat, how do we find out if Caleb Harmel is going to be an All-American for D3Football.com? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked, Frank. You can tune in to the D3Football.com pregame show leading up to Stag Bowl 50 on Friday evening, broadcast live from Salem Stadium. There will be all sorts of pregame interviews and conversations. And then also, as we reach about the 6 o'clock hour, we will start announcing the D3Football.com All-America team, as we have actually done on every pregame show going all the way back to our first Stag Bowl broadcast in 1999. We will do that this Friday night as well. Frank Rossi, thank you wherever you are for asking that question on Twitter. You have the opportunity to do so in every one of our podcasts by sending us an X. Use that D3FB hashtag. Is at at Frank Rossi. On at Frank Rossi, if you want to go look that up. Antion Cuff, you may remember him as Cuffy Cakes 08. He asks, which quarterback to wide receiver tandem will have the best numbers? And I assume we are talking about, well, there's maybe a, a number of possibilities. It may not even, we may not even agree on which wide receiver goes with which quarterback in this particular instance. And then we'll talk about that. And then we'll give us our over-unders for Friday's game. If I'm thinking about this, I am really only going to spend time thinking about Boys to Burgess and Lane to Hardy, even though obviously Joey Lombardi was the top wide receiver for North Central this past Saturday. Um, and obviously J.J. Lapp, as far as we know, will suit up. Don't know how 100% he will be. Don't know if he will actually play after he left with an injury in the fourth quarter of the game at Randolph-Macon. If I have to think about this, you know, you have to think about who they're going up against too. And there's room to consider that both defenses may give up some numbers in the secondary. We talked about this probably being a high-scoring game. I feel like, you know, maybe Burgess has this advantage. Burgess is, you know, he's six foot one. He's got that speed. They all are six foot one with that speed. But I think I just have to pick somebody, so I would maybe go boys to Burgess. Because I'm looking at this pad, I think it's a volume play for me. I think we're going to see Cortland throw more than we see North Central throw. I think North Central is going to be 
uh, very run heavy until they either can't be or the game forces them to not be. Cortland, on the other hand, I think is you know likely to be in a spot where they're going to want to throw a lot, and why not throw to Cole Burgess? He's been great throughout these playoffs, and so I would expect more targets to Cole Burgess, and I think uh, from uh, who's going to have more yards, uh, probably for me, Cole Burgess. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there, Greg. I think that you're going to see Cortland try to play a little bit more of a ball control game uh, and shorten this game a little bit because I think smart money says don't try to get into a shootout in this type of uh, ball game. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of Jaden Alfano St. John and Ashton Capone also, I should say, uh, who's uh, a very good running back. I, I think that's how they're going to establish the ability for boys to succeed with the pass as well. So I'm going to say that that tandem that will seem most uh, effective just because of less passing going on is going to be Luke Lannon to D'Angelo Hardy, honestly. Thanks, Cuffy Cakes, for sending a question. You can send a question. I already did the thing. All right. Who's taking control of over-unders here? This is where I get to sit back and just uh, and kibitz. Gentlemen, the first one I'm going to give to you is total points for the game, 94.5. I'll take the under because of what I just said a little bit ago about trying to shorten the game. I mean, Cortland may try to shorten the game. I don't know if they'll have success, right? 94.5, I think, is a really good place to set that. It really makes me think. I think I'm going to join Frank in going under. I don't think it's going to be under by a lot. But, you know, a, a game could be 48 to 45 and be under. And I think I'm going to go with under. Yeah, 94.5 is a lot. It is under the average totals for both of these teams this year. Uh, these are the top two scoring teams by total points scored in Division Three. Just because I don't feel like I want unanimity here, I'm going to go over. I think we're going to get a very pointsy game. I do think Cortland can score points uh, against North Central's defense. Uh, particularly as they've been banged up in the in the pass rush and secondary areas. I think they're going to have some opportunities to score points, and Zach Boys has been just on the money the last couple of weeks. So Cortland will score points, and I think we're going to get uh, a big point total. All right, my next one, gentlemen, is going to be the total number of punts in the game. Oh, we, we're going from total points to total punts. Absolutely. Absolutely, we are. We know uh, Kurt Fitzpatrick, very aggressive. We know North Central just doesn't like to punt very often or doesn't have to punt very often. Total punts in the game, 4.5. Well, we get to total pants, 116 is what I'm going for because that's your 58 times two. Uh, right, punting is losing, right? That's what uh, Kurt Fitzpatrick says. 4.5 punts. Do I see Cortland stopping North Central more than, say, twice? I think this is the question. Not just stopping them, but stopping them in an area of the field where they where they might feel like they have to punt the ball. Yeah, that's a fair caveat. I think I'm still going to go over just because there's so many ways that you can get over 4.5 punts, but I don't expect there to be a ton of punts. Going under. Shortened game plus. I saw Kurt Fitzpatrick going for at midfield on fourth down and two last week he will roll the dice and so I think that just by the nature of uh, some risk taking that might be necessary certain points in the game that you will not see uh, five punts we'll say I mean uh, 
North Central went for it on fourth down in their own territory on Correct. their first drive of the game last Saturday. Yep. So I could totally see that. Pat, that's where I'm going for my pick on this one. Uh, we know Cortland just doesn't like to punt very often. Punting is losing, as you said, quoting Kurt Fitzpatrick. And we saw North Central go for it a bunch last week. Uh, ten total fourth down attempts. Not all of them by North Central, but right. uh, ten total attempts on fourth down in that semifinal at Wartburg. I do not see the punters getting a lot of action, so under 4.5 punts for me. All right, you got another over-under for us? I got one more. I'm going to go rush yards for Jaden Alfano St. John. I think his impact on the game is very important. And give us an over-under for that. Uh, correct. The number is 89.5. I'm going to go over because of the number of carries I expect in this game. Frank is going wholeheartedly full throw. Do you see this? Diving in headfirst with both feet into Cortland's going to try to shorten the game, and therefore everything that I say is going to be focused on that if i'm nothing else i'm consistent okay i I appreciate frank not hedging his analysis here by uh going back and forth on the over-unders um i think i will probably go this is a good question uh they're you know they're a little banged up across the defensive line obviously linebackers however in really good shape for north central angelo Cusimano, bj adamchik that sort of thing i expect that if Alfano St. John kind of breaks through that line that he may get wrapped up at that second level. And then trying to do math in my head doesn't necessarily help me here. It was my understanding that there would be no math. So I know I just made it sound like I was going to go under, but I'm going to go over. I convinced myself as I was talking. I got a couple. As the game opens up a little bit, as Zach Boys and Cole Burgess are able to sort of spread the field a little bit, that Alfano St. John is going to have... Uh, two or three opportunities to gain some pretty big chugs. It took it took a little bit to get Hunter Clausen going for Wartburg last week, but he did get going. He was over 100 yards. So uh, I will go over 89.5 for Jaden Alfano St. John. And I think if Jaden Alfano St. John does get over that, it's a good sign for Cortland. I've got a few. Uh, we'll make a quick easy uh, here. Uh, attendance, under or over 2,750.5. Over. I think it's a lot less discussion on what I see in your over-unders, so this will be fast. I go over. I think I'm also over. I, I'm getting a, a sense that, that we're going to get a, a good neutral turnout, and I also think that we're going to get a really strong Cortland turnout as well. Yeah, I'll lean over as well uh, on this one. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, again, having a good showing would be important for the future of this game. Duration of game, uh, three hours, seven minutes, point five. Oh, way, way, way over. This really? is a televised game. I know you're gonna you're talking about shortening the game, but TV is gonna elongate it. Yeah, but remember, kickoff starts not when the seven o'clock whistle happens. Kickoff would be at seven o four or something instead of seven o'clock. I think this game is more like three hours and thirty minutes. We're also thinking about a high scoring game, and that's a lot of kickoffs. Yeah, I went over ninety four point five points, so we're gonna have uh, <laughs> a lot of breaks for kickoffs uh, based on what I think is going to happen on Friday. So I'm gonna go over. 307 with three 
three lengthy reviews. See, remember, though, that the, <laughs> the nature of the games changed from the old three-hour, 45-minute uh, college games. Because I was just at a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour national semifinal that yeah. was 34-27. You also had 37 reviews in that game. I understand that. We will have more cameras at this game. We may have more <laughs> reviews. Or more effective reviews, at least. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of room to go under, but I understand that's I'm gonna go you're under. going to go I'm going under. I think we'll be closer to three hours flat on the, on the actual game. Time. Well, well I hope so because we have other plans on yes, we Friday do. night, so uh, here's hoping. Number the next Stag Bowl to be held in Salem, Virginia after uh, 50. 55.5 is the under-over. Over, over, over. Really? Yeah. I just don't get the impression that this committee values this, right? They just spent four years, from my opinion, wandering in the wilderness, right? But they have gone to some nice glitzy places, and, and it's been a great experience for the student-athletes to play in a place like Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio, and play in a historic venue such as Navy Marine Corps Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. I don't get that the committee values what Salem has to offer, frankly. I think I'm over also, Pat. I know you said wandering in the wilderness for the last four years. Not quite the wilderness, the woodlands for a couple of years. There you go. There you go. Um, Thanks. That's a good punch-up. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably over. You know, I think the the championships committee is pretty determined to move this around to different sites and those sites are not Salem. And then after, after this one in this celebration, that is stag bowl 50 does, does Salem want the game to come back? And I guess we'll see if Salem has any interest in it. And if they get any feedback back after this weekend that the NCAA would even be interested in, in uh, In entertaining, in entertaining a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say number 55 will be the uh, next one here. So I'll go under uh, by the half of a uh, point, whatever you want to call it. And I, I think the answer comes to this. I think that this is going to go so well for them overall that it's going to be an every five-year event to come back to Salem. I, I really do. And so I, I would think, welcome that. That would be cool. If I think it would be. Exactly. I think that is the midway point between the whole Omaha rule, you know, blowing up with this whole thing in uh, 2017 to where we are now. I, I think that enough people are going to stand up and say, wait a minute, they actually still know at six years later how to do this the right way, and they're not going to forget that in five years either. I'm hopeful. I'd like to see the city and the constituents of the city you know, put a little bit more into the stadium. Can we add some stuff around the ends? Anything that encloses it a little more or makes it a little bit more of that experience, right? That is the one thing that's missing here that we got at, not at Shenandoah, obviously, but we did in the last two years was getting the feeling of playing in a big time stadium because it's fully enclosed. Anyway, I would like to see something like that. I think that could make a difference in how I feel about it. I just don't feel that the NCAA committee has any interest in doing it, frankly. And that's not the note I want to end on necessarily, but this was D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast number 349, released on December 14th, 2023. We appreciate you guys listening. There is so much more coverage coming up this week. We are hardly done. There will be a feature article from Greg Thomas on the North Central offense that will hit our website on Thursday. We will have quick hits. Those are our predictions for Stag Bowl 50, not just our usual seven-person playoff crew, but more as well. So get uh, tuned in for that. Our pregame coverage starts at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, where we'll have interviews, conversations, 
We are going to get to reveal who wins the 2023 Gallardi Trophy. We're going to get to reveal who wins the Cliff Harris Award. We talked about this on a podcast a few podcasts back. You can find a full story about that on our website here at the time this drops. That will be something that is entrusted to D3Football.com, and we're very happy about that. You can find that out on this pregame show as well. And then, of course, we'll talk with both coaches. And then Keith McMillan and I will give you play-by-play in color. Frank Rossi will be down on the sidelines, as we have been now for every Stag Bowl. These three people for 16 years, is that right? Keith and I have called every Stag Bowl going all the way back to 1999 if you think their call is half-assed listen to our broadcast watch it online pause it mute it and come listen to us we'll get you the division three knowledgeable football play-by-play that is my pitch for you guys watching this game and listening to it with us at the same time we're very thankful for the support of our monthly Patreon subscribers, and you can join them or learn more about it by visiting patreon.com slash d3sports. And if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, tell a classmate, tell someone else at the tailgate on Friday about this show. Give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined, because that helps other people find the show as well. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on X using the D3FB hashtag. I post from at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. Frank is at Frank Rossi. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? Join the conversation by registering to post at D3Boards.com. Uptime this week, like 98.7%. I'm super happy about that. Also, you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook. We are getting D3 boards worked on here over the holiday break so hopefully it will be a little more stable that's another thing that we're thankful for our supporters for their support the executive producer of the around the nation podcast is patrick coleman it's written by patrick coleman and greg thomas this edition of the podcast produced in conjunction with frank rossi and in the huddle production assistance provided by dave McHugh and damara o'malley our theme music is powered too by dj mentos you hear that it's right here We use more of his tracks as well, and you can find that at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to all our guests who joined us today, as well as the NCAA Committee and the Old Dominion Athletic Conference and the City of Salem for their assistance as we're here at Stag Bowl 50. And then, of course, as we always close out, Keith McMillan was the OG host. He was the originator of Around the Nation on d3football.com. Super grateful for that. Even more grateful that, Greg Thomas, you are wrapping up Season 4 here as co-host of the show and thanks to frank rossi who's joined us several times in these instances every once in a while has had to step in for keith has never had to step in for greg greg i appreciate that you stay awake long enough to actually record the show once it's been written yeah i really have to shout out uh time zones to make that happen hear it for time zones (laughs) Greg's uh, agent is going to be calling you soon about this whole thing. And, uh, is she? Yes, and in the huddle, it's going to make a play to bring him over to our show if you're not careful, so you better listen. Uh, okay, that's fine, but I, I don't know about him getting up at 6 a.m. on Friday mornings to do your show. Good point. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much, everybody.